Okay, uh, we're in Joshua chapter 9 today, folks. We're going to go through chapter 12. This is lesson 4. We're looking at them taking the land. Specifically, we're going to look at the southern and northern campaigns. Okay, looking at them taking the land, the southern and northern campaigns. And so we're going to see some several things. Again, they're not telling you all of the information. And we're going to see specifically that they're not telling you all the information when we get to chapter 12. Okay? Get to chapter 12. They're not, he's just telling you what you need to know. Okay? What you need to know for your spiritual life, what Israel needs to know for its spiritual life. So, let's take a look. First of all, we're going to look at the southern campaign, which is in chapters 9 and 10. Chapters 9 and 10. So, the first thing that happens, okay, so now we know that they have taken the central part of the land, and they're supposed to take all of the land. So they're going to, they're going to move beyond that and start reaching out from their central point and start taking the land. So they're going to focus on the southern area. So the first thing that the book of Joshua mentions now is an alliance with the Gibbonites. Okay? The Gibbonites. Now, I've given you a note in your notes about who the Gibbonites are. They are Hivites, okay? They're Hivites. They're a part of the Canaanite peoples, okay? And they're Hivites. Now, let's stop for a moment so everybody understand. They're supposed to wipe out the Canaanite kingdoms. All right, so when you read that, and you read that somebody's a Canaanite, that's sort of like describing you folks are all North Americans, right? North Americans, because you inhabit, you live in North America, right? Now, we can get a little bit more specific than that and say, okay, you're all, you're North Americans, but you're also Americans, right? Because you live where? In the United States of America. Then we could get a little bit more specific than that and say, well, you're Pennsylvanians, because you live where? In Pennsylvania. We can keep going on, right? You could say you're from Clearfield, or from Kerwinsville, or from wherever. Do you understand? So when we talk about Canaanites, we're talking about the peoples of Canaan. Specifically then, they could be any number of other groups. The Jezebites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Amorites. So let's take a look at this. We're going to see that one of the groups figures that they better do something or they're dead. Did you understand? Because they know that Israel is coming to what? Take the land and that they're going to wipe out everybody else. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Starts off in chapter 9, verse 1 to 15. We're going to see the deception of the Gibbonites. So, all right, so the very various people groups formed an alliance to fight against Israel. All right, so think about this for a moment. When you talk about entering into Canaan, you're not talking about an area where everybody is already united under one government. Actually, it's a bunch of city-states. It's a bunch of areas that have cities that are walled that are made up of one particular people group or another. For instance, Jerusalem is made up by the people group that are called the Jezebites. And so what they would do is, is that they would often war against each other. 
You understand? They were getting spats against each other. But now that they've got this one big enemy, Israel, coming, they all decide, we better get our act together or we're not going to survive. So they form an alliance, the southern king kingdoms, these Canaanite kingdoms, these various people groups, form an alliance against Israel. In fact, if you look at verse 1, it'll tell you some of these people. Okay, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, must have been a specific group called the Canaanite, the Pizzerite, the Hivites, and the Jezebites. They all heard about it. So they all decided to form this allegiance. Okay, now, after hearing about Jericho and Ai, the Gibbonites devise a plan to deceive Israel. All right, now think about this for a moment. So here you are, the, the Gibbonites, I think they had like four cities maybe, all right? So you're hearing the reports from Jericho, and the reports from Jericho are telling you, and you got to, they maybe are a little bit exaggerated too, because thinking, if you've you heard about the whole thing about spreading a rumor, right? It gets bigger as it goes. So here it is, you know the true story. They march around seven times, the walls found down, they take the city. That in itself is spectacular, right? That in itself is amazing. What do you think it was when they got to them? Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, holy cow. Do you know what I'm saying? This is coming for us. We better do something or we're what? We're dead. Okay? So they decide to devise a plan to deceive Israel. Now, this is ingenious. When you read the text, what they decide to do is this. They decide to look like they had traveled a long distance. So they put on grubby clothes that dusty, looked like they traveled a long way, and they're going to act like they're emissaries from a country that's far away from Canaan, and that they've come because they've heard of Israel, and they want to, what, establish an alliance with Israel. Okay, so if you read the text, that's their plan. So they presented themselves as ambassadors from a far land to form an alliance with Israel. And guess what, folks? It worked. It worked. The, Israel, the Israeli leaders were like, yeah, yeah, where is your country? Oh, it's far away. But we want to be aligned with you. Okay? We want to be aligned with you. Now, the elders, now here's the problem, and the text, all right, so you can't go beyond what the text says sometimes, but the text specifically tells you this. I think it's verse 14. Look at what it says. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not consult of the Lord, did not ask counsel of the Lord. All right, so here's the thing. The elders of Israel did not consult the Lord concerning these representatives. Like, all right, now stop for a moment. If they had talked to the Lord about it, what do you think the Lord would have told them? These people are next door to you. They're not from far away. They're lying to you. The Lord would have revealed it, right? But they didn't. They didn't ask the Lord. Isn't this the second time now that they didn't ask the Lord's counsel? When was the first time? AI. And if they had done that in AI, they would have found out that oh, you can't go do this. Somebody, there's sin in the camp. Now, the deception's happening, 
And they didn't consult the Lord. Okay? They didn't consult the Lord. Now, so Israel formed an alliance thinking the Gibeonites were from outside of Canaan. So they formed a, an alliance. Now let me explain to you what an alliance is. It's similar to what we have right now. Basically, it's a military alliance. It's a military alliance. All right, so we have an alliance. All right, let's talk about the United States. We have an alliance with several nations around the world. One of the big areas that we have an alliance with is most of Europe, and we're a part of something called what, folks? NATO, okay? That's primarily a what? A military alliance. That's basically saying if somebody messes with you, we're what? We're going to mess with them, right? It's an alliance. This is what's going on here. So the Gibbonites form a military alliance with the Israelites. Now, they got to know that at some point it's going to come out, right? And it did. It did come out. The deception was exposed, and Israel did not attack the Gibbonite cities. Because here's what happens. No sooner than they, they establish this alliance, they find out that these folks aren't from far away. They're just from over the hill. They're just the next cities over. But because they had made a vow, swore to the Lord in their allegiance, they honored their word. Okay? Now, but guess what? Not everybody's happy with that. Do you, do you understand? By the way, are you always happy with what government does? No, no. Are you always happy with what your elected leaders do? No, no. I mean, that's just natural, right? Same thing here. The people complained about the decision of the leaders, but they honored their word. The people are like, are you kidding me? Did you see what they have? Did you see that's a nice area of land? We could have taken that. What are you, are you guys dumb? I mean, you could hear the complaints happening, right? You could hear the complaints. But guess what? The leader said, hey, yeah, we understand, but we have to honor our word. We have to honor our word. So, now when confronted about the deception, Joshua calls these Gibbonites back in and says, hey, what did you do? And so the Gibbonites explained, we were afraid. And we decided to do this so that we can live and survive. So when confronted about the deception, Joshua made them slaves for a temple service. Servants. Enslaved them to do two things. Bring water and wood to the tabernacle. Water and wood to the tabernacle. So they allowed them to survive. There's, they still, now, so that you understand, they're not all whatever thousands of people serving at the temple. He basically said their main responsibility is to provide workers for what? The temple to provide water and wood. Why? Because they needed lots of water and lots of wood for what? The sacrifices, right? Okay? So he let them live and he honored it. Okay? Now, now we get to chapter 10 and things get a little bit hairier. Okay? Because now, remember there's all these other kingdoms. They formed an alliance. And they're basically thinking the only way we're going to confront confront uh, confront the Israelis as if we have our alliance. Well, they also decide, well, wait a minute now. The Gibbonites made peace. 
And they're big cities. They're huge cities. They have big armies. We needed them. Do you know what I'm saying? We needed them. So guess what they decide? We need to punish the Gibeonites. We need to punish the Gibeonites. So the alliance of the Canaanite kings thought sought to punish the Gibeonites for seeking peace. You dirty rascals, we needed you. You cut a deal on the side. You know what I'm saying? And so they decide to punish the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites requested help from Joshua and he came to aid them. This is why you have a military alliance, right? So the Gibeonites know, oh no, here comes these guys are coming after me. Hey, Josh, help! Remember we signed that treaty! So Joshua comes to their aid. He comes to aid. He fulfills his obligation. He's fulfilling his obligation. So the Lord, this is what happened. So as Joshua, it says that Joshua took the armies and they went to aid the Gibeonites. So obviously on the way, in prayer, the Lord, what? The Lord encourages Joshua and told them the victory was theirs. Don't worry about this. You got this. You're going to defeat these kings. Do what you got to do. Okay? Do what you got to do. So now this is where, okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. You need to read chapter 10. Okay? You need to read chapter 10. Because this is one of the miracles of the Bible. What do you mean? Well, because the battle was great, and Israel was gaining the victory, all right? And because they had been told to wipe them out, there wasn't enough daylight in the day to do it. Do you understand? You only got daylight for how long, folks? You only, what? Some, some, during the summer, maybe 12 hours, but here we are, we're getting closer to December 21st, which is the winter solstice. That's the, what, the longest night, so the shorter day. So you only got daylight so much because you really, I mean, you can fight in the evening, but people can get away in the evening. So Joshua makes a request. Now, how many of you remember this from Sunday school? He asked God to what? Stop the sun so that the sun sh shines for an entire day. And God heard his prayer and did that. So because the battle was great, Joshua requested that the sun stand still for a whole day. A whole day. Isn't that amazing? This, can I be honest with you, is not a testimony of, wow, what a prayer warrior was Joshua. No, this is a testimony about who, folks? God. God. That's what this is a testimony. If God can make the sun stand still, can he do anything? Yeah, first of all, he created the sun, right? Go ahead, Lord, you had a question? Yes, there is a missing day in their calculations. They do, they don't tell you that in the news. Okay? But there is a missing day that they figured out. There's a day missing here. How's that possible? How about if the day stood still for a whole day? Do you understand? So answers in Genesis, if you go to their website, you look that up, there will be an article about this. God can do great things, folks. 
Oh, by the way, so you're going through something and you wonder if God can handle your problem. Wow. He can, he can make the sun stand still. All right, let's go on. <clears throat> Joshua executed the five Canaanite kings and proceeded to conquer the southern portion. So here's what he did. They wipe out this army. The kings go and hide in the cave. Joshua covers over the cave, the entrance, continues to fight the battle, to, and then once the battle's over, he comes back, and they execute the kings. Now, one of the things he does is interesting. If you read here, is that they have the kings. Now, this is symbolic in the ancient cultures. He had his troops come and put their feet on their necks, on these kings' necks, as a symbol of what? That they have defeated these and defeated these kingdoms. Okay, and then he had them executed, and then he proceeded to conquer the southern portion. The southern portion. Now, we come to chapter 11, first 15 verses. Not much time is spent here, but this is the northern campaign. So he turns his attentions now. He's got the southern half. He's got the central half. He's got to take what now, folks? The northern half, which is the northern half going up to Lebanon. Okay? Northern half going up to Lebanon. So again... The various people groups of the north form an alliance to fight against Israel. Now, this is a little bit different area than the southern part because it also has areas that are flat. So when you have flat areas, you can utilize something in warfare. And it's, it's, it was probably the most ingenious thing that they ever had for warfare back then, and that was chariots. So the northern alliance has chariots, okay? So, they gathered a great army with chariots to confront Israel. Alright, so they gathered this great army, huge army, with chariots. Now, that would be formidable, right? Okay, formidable army gathered, because does, does Israel have chariots? No, they don't have chariots, but who do they have? God, okay? So, they gathered a great army with chariots to confront Israel. The Lord told Joshua not to be afraid and that the enemy will be defeated. Now, isn't this interesting? Every time they get ready to go do something, Joshua spends time in prayer. God says to him, don't be afraid. You're going to be defeated. Don't be afraid. Guys, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we get ready to go do something, don't we feel anxious? A lot of times, especially if it's overwhelming what we're about to do, what does God say to us? Go talk to him. What's going to guard your hearts and minds? His peace. A peace that, what? Surpasses all understanding, it says. A peace that you don't understand. I've been there. I've experienced that. Some of you have experienced that. Okay, so he told them not to be afraid the enemy will be defeated. They were to destroy the chariots and hamstring the horses. I know we got some horse people here. I'm sorry. But uh, listen to me. For God said, hamstring these horses and just burn the chariots. Why do you think God wanted them to do that? 
We're going to defeat this army. But when you defeat the army, that means you kill the people. But the horses are going to be left and the chariots are going to be left. Why would he want them to hamstring the horses and burn the chariots? Lori? Yeah, not rely on their technology, warfare technology from the other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hamstring those horses and burn all those chariots. Okay? Burn the chariots. Why? Because they are to rely on who? Who does their victory come from, folks? The Lord. Okay? The Lord. Now, the defeat of the Canaanite kings was complete, and Israel did as the Lord commanded. So when you read those verses, you'll see that God gave them the victory. He destroyed their armies. He killed their kings, and they burned the chariots and hamstring and those horses were hamstrung. Okay? Now, <clears throat> when we come to chapter 11 through 12, we're going to see a chapter that's devoted to their triumphs. All right? Basically, it's a list of all that they did. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When you read this list, you're going to realize that when we looked at the southern campaign and the northern campaign and earlier the central campaign, that not all of the battles were listed. This is an example of what I'm trying to say to you. Historical narratives in the scripture do not tell you everything. So they didn't need to tell you what happened in every little battle and against every little king. Do you understand? Might have been, excuse me, some of them were big battles with big kings, but you didn't need to know about them. What it's doing here, though, is just kind of giving you a list of all that they did. Okay, So Joshua took all the land and destroyed their kings and cities, except the Gibeonites. Except the Gibeonites. Now, if you look at some of the scriptures that I gave you there in your notes, you'll see different passages of scriptures. Uh, 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, Nehemiah. The Gibeonites are a part of Israel's history throughout. You'll see them as a part of Israel's history. In fact, you guys have heard of the mighty men of David? How many of you have heard of the mighty men of David? The 30 mighty men of David who would do anything. These were captains. These were mighty warriors for David. Men after his own heart. One of them was a Gibbonite. One of them was a Gibbonite. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Nehemiah, when they're rebuilding the wall, the Gibbonites helped to rebuild the wall. They're a part of Israel. They're not Jewish, but they're slaves who serve where? In the tabernacle and the temple. Okay? Now, the Lord, this passage is very interesting, and I think this is where we can have a, a moment of discussion here. The Lord had hardened their hearts so that they would be destroyed. He's talking about these Canaanites. Look at what it says. All right, let's go over to chapter 11. We're looking at verse 20. For it was the for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel to battle, that he might utterly destroy them, that they may receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded 
Moses. Now you're going to read that and you're going to be like, is that possible? Yes. Yeah, it is. How is that possible? Well, we've already seen it once before. Remember Pharaoh? If you read through Exodus, Pharaoh, there are a lot of times that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then there are points where it says, who hardened his heart? The Lord. Why? Because God wanted to accomplish something through Pharaoh. And that was to bring judgment on Pharaoh. You go over to Romans chapter 1. It says very clearly that God gave them over. Gave them over to their what? Because they were already pursuing it. They rejected him. He gave them over to what? Their own lusts. He gave them over to perversity, a perverse heart. Which meant that they were basically hardened towards the Lord. It's not that he made them hard. They had hardened themselves and God gave them over. Same thing's happening here. These folks, if you just so you understand, God rejected these people because they were engaged in things, number one, that rejected the Lord, but these people sacrificed their own children to false gods. Do you understand? They passed through the arms of Moloch means that they passed through the fire. Do you understand? So God is judging these people. So he, he's not giving them a chance. Their time is over. So he judges them. Now that's a pretty interesting point. So you, because nobody knows when it's over for people, right? We don't know that. Nobody, we don't have a meter on our arms. You've seen some of those movies, you know, where you got a meter that says how much long life you have, and you know, you don't have a meter that says you're past the point of grace with God. Okay, but that's true for some people, right? It's actually true for a lot more than you realize. Because there's a point where Romans says that God gives them over to their hardened hearts. And this is what's going on here. The Lord hardened their hearts so that they would be destroyed. Why the destruction? Because that's part of his judgment against them. Okay? For the wages of sin is what, folks? Death. Okay? All right, so the writer then lists the kings that were defeated under the leadership of Moses. So he's going to go back, the writer is going to go back and list... The kings who were destroyed, Og, Shion, and the Amorite kings west, east of the Jordan that were destroyed, okay, by Moses. And then the writer then lists the kings that were defeated by Joshua. So then when you look at this, holy cow, there is a huge list of kings here that Joshua defeated. Now when you read back through chapter 9 and chapter 10, it only covers a few of the kings, not all of these kings. Why is that significant? I think it's significant to tell you, you didn't need to know all the details. You just needed to know what? God took this area. Here's some significant events. And guess what? He defeated and took the land. He defeated and took the land. 